This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is Bounce. What's up, everybody? Jack Maloney back with Friendly Balance Hardwood Proxies and Basketball Network. We're doing our special season preview podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. I'm joined by Donnie and Ryan, a.k.a. Time, two Chicago Bulls fans, so this is a very unbiased podcast. Um, Homer podcast! <laughs> so, obviously the Bulls had a successful, you know, pretty successful season last year, 50-32, and 32. Um, and then you run into the Cavs, you know, kind of, what are you going to do? Um, but they're basically running back the same squad. Uh, unfortunately, no Nazi Muhammad, but they do have draft day Bobby Portis in the, in the fold now, and once again are going to be one of the two or three best teams in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, health is a big factor, but, I mean, that's pretty much the same with everyone. Everyone needs to be healthy. It's just the Bulls haven't been the last few years, and they're already dealing with Dunleavy. But health permitting, this is once once again going to be a team that causes problems. What are you guys, I mean, you're obviously Bulls fans, so you follow the team closely. What are your guys, you know, general thoughts going into the season for this squad? talked about the Dunleavy injury. That's obviously a huge factor. A guy they have not played well without. He's a great team defender. He's a guy who's always rotating in the right spots. He helps off the right guys. He reads the scouting report. And that's going to hurt. They don't have a lot of depth on the wing. They're going to need Tony Snell to be consistent, which he hasn't been. He's shown flashes, but now they now they need him to be a good player. Obviously, McDermott's looked better in the preseason. He's going to struggle defensively, but to me, that's the biggest storyline. And obviously, you go back to Derrick Rose being hurt. I think the little here we go again is a little unfair this time. I mean, yeah. he broke his face. It wasn't his knee again. Yeah. Like, you know, it, he broke his face by getting elbowed in it. It's not like right. it's not like it was another knee injury, but there's still there's such cynicism with anything that happens with him nowadays. Yeah. But he should be back, if not by the opener, within the first couple of games. And then, to me, the other storyline is, you know, how much is Jimmy Butler going to regress? Is he going to continue to be an elite, you know, be as good as he was last year? Because one of the more unexpected breakouts in the league, really, how good he was last year. Right. And they need him to be an elite wing once again. Um, but another big storyline for this team is their front court. And they're obviously deep. They have they have Powell, they have Joaquim Noah, they have Taj Gibson, Nick, Nico, Bobby Portis. All those guys are like pretty like comparable um, NBA players. But just the way that they're going to play them in the lineups they roll out. Because last year they started Powell and Joaquim for, for the majority of the season, and it. It, it wasn't necessarily the greatest fit in the world, um, but Joe Kim said that this year he'll be healthy, so hopefully they'll be able to try that again and be more productive. But, um, yeah, that, 
that's just the biggest thing for me, especially since Pau isn't necessarily a great defender anymore, and depending on Noah's health, he right. can't really be the anchor that he once was, so their front court defense isn't going to be that strong. Yeah, like you were saying with Noah, I mean, we talked about this before we started recording, is he, at times last year, like really just shouldn't have even been on the court. Um, just not healthy, not not himself, and he's a guy who has always been, you know, his, he makes his living just basically outworking people and being super athletic for his position, and once that starts to fade a little bit, like, that, he doesn't have, you know, a, lot, a ton of talent, or not that he doesn't have talent, but he's not, like, a super skilled player where he can, like, just fall back on, you know, I got this jumper, I can just knock down and, you know, like Duncan, um, he's just a dude who relies so much on on working, outworking people with athleticism that once it starts to fade, he's not as useful. So, right, hopefully he's he's back this year because if he's not, you know, I, don't, I guess you have to rely on Gibson defensively. Um, you know, Miritich isn't exactly, like, a lockdown defender. No. And, I mean, you look at this team and – you talk about everyone's best-case scenario going into the season. And in the East, you almost have to look. Any, any team's going to have to have everything go their way to challenge the Cavs. Right. And for the Bulls, I mean, if Noah doesn't get back to at least close to the player he was two years ago, their upside is definitely capped because they're just not going to be good enough defensively and they're not going to get enough stops. They don't have enough elite defensive players on the roster. And you look at Butler, he's going to have to do so much offensively. His defense did slide a little last year, but... I mean, that's that's fair to expect with how much else he's being asked to do. For Noah, yeah. if this team doesn't get a productive joke, you know, it's just it's hard to envision them challenging the Cavs. If they do, then I think it's a little more interesting. But, but like you said, it's kind of a tough balance because at times it looks like he shouldn't be on the floor and he's not one of their better players. But at the same time, if he is fresh, if he somehow is able to regain that, then this team has a much higher upside. Going back to what you said with uh, Jimmy and how much of the offensive load he took last year and his defense suffering because of that. Well, not necessarily suffering, but he definitely took a step back. Yeah. Um, hopefully, Hoiberg's offense, I mean, if they install it and they, they get it going early in the season, it won't be as much isolation-based basketball like it was last year. Like Their efficiency was super high, but it just wasn't very pretty with the way they with the ball and such, so Hoiberg's known for having a good offense, and I mean, if their shooters can hit shots, and Dunley for being out definitely hurts that, but I think then Jimmy won't be necessarily leaned on as much offensively, and Derek won't be leaned on necessarily as much on offense. I mean, it, it helps on, it helps with that, at least, but it depends how quickly they can adapt, and there's definitely always a, a period of time, um, to get used to a new offense, especially when they haven't really had one in the last couple of years. What are what are your guys' thoughts on Hoiberg? You know, going obviously, um, Thibodeau was successful, but it it definitely seemed like he, you know, reached a limit where it's like, yeah, he's had success, but we're just we're kind of done with you. Um, I think for me personally, I am excited for Hoiberg in that uh, this Bulls team is under Thibodeau the last few years has always been really good. Like, I just hated watching them. And I, I don't, 
I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I'm probably not because you're Bulls fans, but like just as a basketball fan, like they weren't fun to watch really at all to me. And I think that I think that definitely improves with Hoiberg. Um, without yeah, you. I think. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as, as Ryan said, the you know the offenses here should be a lot more fun to watch. But last last year they were a pretty good offensive team. But even when they were, like you said, Jack, they were not. It wasn't a fun offense to watch. I still think they might not be as fun to watch with some people, just because. I think this year they're going to get to the line a ton because of the way that the offense, they're going to be moving the defense a lot. They're going to shoot more threes, so that'll kind of decline. But Jimmy Butler is an elite foul drawer. If Derrick Rose can you know, get a little more consistent and start drawing a little more contact at the beginning of last year, he really shied away from contact, and I think he still will a little bit. But I think he'll get to the line a little bit more. And we haven't even talked about the guy that, draw defenders in the air on a pump fake every time he gets the ball at Nico Mirages. That that guy's going to be fun to watch. I think Hoiberg's going to benefit him more than anybody. He, he was really interesting last year because he came in, he came into the league kind of with a reputation as a shooter, and he really did everything other than shoot. He exceeded expectations, and, and he didn't shoot it all that well, but just the fact that he would shoot it stretched the floor. So if he can be a better shoot for a higher percentage – and still draw the fouls at the rate he does, pass the ball and handle the ball the way he does, I think he benefits the most from Fred Hoiberg's offense just because I, there's a lot of stuff he can do. I like him, obviously, more as a four. I think they used him as three too much last year. If, when he's on the floor, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and, and he's going to be the one who benefits the most from having Fred Hoiberg as the coach. Yeah, I think offensively it definitely gives them more consistency. Last year, their their games and like watching them would just be so frustrating because like they just couldn't score the basketball and it was like especially in that Bucks series, you could see it. It was just the Bucks are such a good offensive team and the Bulls' offense was just kind of iffy, and I think that'll help definitely. Yeah, like you said about Miritich, I mean he, he shot. 31% from from three last year, a little over 31%. Like, he's certainly not afraid to hoist him. He shot over 300 threes last year. Um, that probably goes up this year, considering he's going to play more and a more three-friendly system. But, but yeah, he is, like, just the other day versus when they were playing um, the Pelicans, I remember, like, I wasn't even really paying attention to the game. Like, I flipped on for a few minutes and like one of the times I flipped it on, there he is drawing a an and one on a three. Like he he just has that knack. I don't know what it is with some guys where like everyone just bites on that pump fake. Like don't bite on it. He shoots thirty one percent. Just let him shoot it. But I don't know, he he has a gift for it. Yeah, I agree. He's just I, I mean, for me it's amusing to watch because there's sometimes he sells that contact so well. <laughs> You know, on the jump shots, at least inside, there's genuine contact. But well, he gets those guys up in the air, and they got that look on their face, like they're <laughs> so upset with themselves. But and then the other thing about him, though, is he, you know, if he gets someone in the air and they're not jumping towards him, he's he's really good at handling the ball for a big guy. He can take it inside. He's a great passer. I, I just think in a motion offense, he's going to be so fun to watch. I mean, if you talk about who I'm most excited to watch this year on the Bulls. It's probably Miritich. He's obviously not going to be their best player, but 
I, I think he takes a big step forward this year. It, and even if he does, it's just going to be so interesting to see how these front court minutes are managed. By a first-year coach, it's his first year coaching in the NBA. you got these two veterans who expect to play big minutes and expect to play in the fourth quarter, and they're probably the worst fit together of the front court <laughs> option. So it'll be really interesting to see how Hoiberg manages all of his big. Yeah, and speaking of that that big... Uh... The big man rotation. You got Bobby Portis in the mix now, and I, I'm, you know, I, being from Milwaukee, I, I'm not like a huge Bucks fan, but I do cheer for them. I, I thought he would have been a great fit for the Bucks, um, and then obviously he falls to the to the Bulls. And I, you know, we talked about it before we came on air. I, I don't know how he fell that far. Like, it's a dude who's he's never. I don't ever see Portis being a superstar player in this league, but for like for me, he's just a lock to be a really solid player for like the next ten years, and I think that's a that's going to end up being a steal for the Bulls. He kind of does all the things that Taj Gibson does, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people think that Taj is going to get traded sometime during the season, like we talked about before we started recording. I mean, there's just there's just so many guys in that front court, and Bobby Portis could play like he scored like 20 points on preseason game. Granted, it's preseason, but it, it's still something that you have to like look to and like make but, a prediction of what he's going to be able to do. That's certainly not a negative to score 20 points. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and, it, and I think in the preseason, you look at guys, and maybe you don't always look at their stats, but you look at things they do, even in summer league, and He's shooting the ball well, and he looks like he has a workable jumper, which is obviously big for his offensive game. Right. And I, I think he's another guy who's going to be perfect in the Hoiberg system. He's another good ball mover. He's tough, like you said. He reminds you of Gibson, younger Gibson almost. He's not as spry as Kaj was, but I thought, I honestly thought if Miles Turner would have went earlier, he would have made sense as early as 11 to Indiana in the draft. Like, that's how, how much I thought he was. Just because, like you said, he's not going to be a superstar. But at that point in the draft, if you're getting a solid NBA player, right. you're outperforming draft expectations. So, yeah. I love that the Bulls got him. And, you know, people complain, well, this is a crowded front court. And that's true. But Powell and Noah, you don't know how long they're going to be there and how long they're going to be usable. And, and at that point in the draft, you, you almost have to take best player available if somebody like Fortis is left. It's almost a no-brainer. So I thought he was, you know, a steal, like you said, and I, I think he's going to be very productive for them and for Fred Hoiberg. What are your? We wrap things up. What are your guys' thoughts on on how this team finishes the season in terms of the Eastern Conference? I, I think everyone's of the same mind that the Cavaliers are are the clear number one. But do you think this is a Bulls team that can get that two seed and? You know, eventually challenge challenge the Cavaliers for for the Eastern Conference. I mean, for me, I I think the Dunleavy injury pushes them back to three. Uh, we were talking about this before we went on air, and I think you know they were probably going to be the two seed for me. I think now they're probably going to be the three seed. I think they're probably the most likely team to challenge Cleveland, just because. Of you can see a scenario where they're challenging Cleveland, right? You can right. you can see all the things happening 
but it still seems unlikely to me. I still think Cleveland's an overwhelming favorite, and everything, they're just one of those everything has to break right. There's those tier one title contenders that are going to be title contenders, and then there's kind of those outside-looking-in teams that, well, if everything goes right, then they're a title contender, and I kind of see the Bulls on that one. Yeah, um, last year going into the season, I was super optimistic about this team, and, like, how could you not be with all the talent that they just accumulated? But, like, last season was just kind of disappointing throughout the entire year, and this year they brought back basically the same roster, plus Bobby Portis and minus Nazi Muhammad, and they're just a year older. Powell played a lot in Eurobasket over the summer, so who knows how effective he'll be, and Joe is injury-prone, Garrick is injury-prone. I mean, like you said, I, I think out of all the teams in the East, you can most imagine this team beating the Cavaliers. But just because Jimmy Butler is one of the best guys at defending LeBron in the league, and, I mean, they match up better than most teams in the Eastern Conference do. But like you said, they'll probably end up being third just because of the injuries to Dunleavy, and you have to guess there, there's going to have to be other injuries throughout the regular season. And, like... Uh, like you said, they're a tier two title contender. Yeah, I think they're definitely like the most all-around talented team in the East besides Cleveland. And with Butler matching up, you know, as good as anyone can hope against LeBron um, to slow him down in the playoffs. And, you know, you can only do so much, but he's he's had some success in the past, and if they are healthy, I think they. You know, we saw last year they they challenged the Cavs. I I still don't think they that anyone's going to beat them, but I think this Bulls team is has the best shot of anyone. And you know, we'll see with injuries and and how things go in the East. I I think they're the second best team in the East, and I think you know maybe they don't get the two seed um, just because of you know injuries or whatever. But I think by the end of the season they'll be the the second best team around and that's a wrap for Chicago it's going to be a fun team to watch um, I'm Jax, my guys Donnie and Ryan, here's our boy DJ Las Latino playing us out, peace this ain't jump, this ain't slam the name of this record is Bounce